All right. Well, good morning, church family. Happy September. Can you believe when I first came up here, I said it was May, and that's when I started my Rosewood internship. And now that it is September and it is the end of summer, this actually marks the end of my summer internship here at Rosewood. Now, of course, I'm a member here at the church. I've been here for two years. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Debbie. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I'm not going anywhere, but this marks the end of a period where I got to learn so much about Rosewood, the ins and outs of Rosewood, the day-to-day, -day, what the staff do, and more of the community. I've been able to visit your homes or ring you up on the phone, and so this has been a period of just learning more about Rosewood. And as my internship has come to an end, I thought, let me share a story with my Rosa family so that you can learn a bit more about myself. So, the story is about my family, actually, and they don't know I'm saying this. But I, in the family, in my immediate family, is my sister, my older sister, two years older than me, and then there's my mom and my dad. And my parents are from the Philippines, so they are immigrants, and they, they came to Canada. Now, when my mom came to Canada, she shared an apartment, a bedroom, with about five or six, maybe seven other people. And this was their lifestyle when they first came to Canada. And when my dad came to Canada, they got married and they started a family. And when they realized that they had two growing children and they needed more room than an apartment, the Lord blessed them with a house in Malvern. And so Malvern is where I grew up for about the first 12 years of my life. And I loved living in Malvern. You know, there was, a, I'm, I guess some of us are from Malvern as well. I know a few of you are, but you already know that there's three baseball diamonds that we get to play at, there's a huge open field, there's a jungle gym, and in the park there's a gazebo that many of you were able to have the seniors picnic at. So many of you already know the park I'm talking about, which is Nielsen Park. Yes, so I grew up there, and every single time we went to the park, my mom wore these white and silver running shoes. And over time, these white shoes were no longer white. You know, they started to get a bit brown. We took her in the mud. And so when her birthday came around, as a family, we thought, let's get her some new shoes. Because she takes us to the park so often, let's get her some new running shoes. And so we would go to our staple mall, Woodside Square, <laughs> and we would go to the sports store there, SVP. I'm still not sure what SVP stands for, but that's where all the discounted sports items are. And so when my mom was away, my sister, myself, and my dad, we went to pick out my mom a new pair of Nike running shoes. Now, when we gave them to her, of course she was ecstatic and she was grateful, but we noticed that each time we went to the park, she was still wearing her old running shoes. We're like, what's going on? You don't like the shoes? Do they not fit? Should we return them? And I don't think she could give us a proper excuse besides, I don't want to get them dirty. And it seems like many of you can relate. 
And I think it came to the point where we just threw out the old shoes so that she would walk in her new shoes. And I promise this story isn't random at all. It has everything to do with my message today because today I want to talk about walking in the new life that we receive when we are baptized by the Holy Spirit. You see, when we're baptized by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that we have a new self. So this must mean we have an old self, and this old self does not have the Holy Spirit. And so this old self, this flesh, this physical body, has passions and desires that do not please the Lord. But when we believe in Christ and we are baptized, by the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us that we receive a new self. And with this new self, we have the Holy Spirit, and so we have power to overcome sin, and we no longer have to obey the passions and desires of our old self that do not please the Lord. And so we have this old self, and we have this new self, but just like my mom, who wasn't walking in her new shoes, we can also spiritually not walk out the life of someone who believes in Christ, not walk out the life of someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we prevent ourselves from walking in our new self. Let me explain this better by turning to the scripture. It says in Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to 4, what shall we say then? Are we to continue to in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. And that's where I want to part today, that last sentence, that we too may walk in the newness of life. You see, walk is an action word. It takes action on our behalf to walk in the new life that we receive when we are baptized by the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes we walk backwards and we walk towards our old self and our old ways. And sometimes we stay in one spot and we don't walk at all. And so it is my hope with this message that we may walk in the newness of life. And so the title of my message is Walking in Revival. As we prepare our hearts for revival services at the end of September, may we every day, as I mentioned last week, experience daily revival by getting connected to God and every single day drawing upon his source of living water and may we also walk in revival. And Paul writes how to do this in Romans chapter 6. 
in verses 5 to 6, it says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And so Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he reminds them that they are no longer a slave to their old self, because the old self died spiritually when we believe in Christ Jesus His death was our death as well. And so we are no longer enslaved to our bodies, that desire to sin, that has passions and desires that do not please God. Paul is saying that when we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, we are no longer enslaved to that way. And many of us have been transformed because of this. We have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And you would say to someone, If you knew me then, you would not recognize me because the Holy Spirit has transformed me so much that my old ways are no longer my ways and we praise God for all the ways that he has transformed us. But even though we have this new self, this version of us with the Holy Spirit, even though that is the case, that does not mean that we become perfect. Of course, we are still sinners, and while we are on this side of heaven, we will continue to be sinners. But Paul says we are no longer enslaved to sin. So what is he talking about? Well, even though on this side of heaven we will remain sinners, we are no longer enslaved to our old self that desires to sin, because we now have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. But sometimes our old self, our old sin patterns, and our old ways of thinking begin to rise up, and they creep up in our minds. Even though we are transformed by the Holy Spirit, our old ways tempt us And usually this happens daily, and it is normal. But the thing is, we have a choice. We are no longer enslaved to obey the passions and desires of our old self, but we have a choice. Now that we have the Holy Spirit, we have a choice. Are we going to follow the ways of our old self? Or are we going to walk in revival and crucify the flesh. And so that is my first point. And the first step that we can take to walk in revival is to crucify the flesh. And what that means is that our flesh with those passions and desires, each time they rise up, we put them back in the grave where they belong. Galatians chapter 5 verse 24 says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so that means when we notice our old self to begin to arise, our old patterns, our old ways of thinking, when they begin to arise, we crucify that flesh because we have been made new. 
And we are to walk in that new way of life. You see, we often talk about passions and desires and temptations like a fire. Like a fire burning in our bodies. So for a moment, think of yourselves as a candle. And perhaps your old self and your old desires and these temptations arise. And when they arise, the wick of our candle catches a flame. And that is normal. We are going to continue experiencing that because we are sinners and we are not perfect. And so that is normal. But what we do with that flame is our choice. Do we fan the flame? Do we guard it from being put out? Do we nurture this flame and make sure that our passions and desires are still burning within us? Or do we extinguish the flame the moment that we notice that it arises? Because if we are to walk in revival, then we have to extinguish that flame. We have to draw upon the power of the Holy Spirit to help us overcome the temptations that we experience and we are to crucify the flesh because we have been made new. And for some of us, crucifying the flesh can look like tearing down our pride each time we do something good. Or it's to crucify, crucify the flesh that gets so easily jealous when we see others succeed. Or it's to crucify the flesh that lacks self-control even when we're at the mall or with the wrong group of friends at school. You see, whatever it is, we all have flesh from our old self, our old selves that needs to be crucified. We all have passions and desires that needs to be crucified. And Romans chapter 6, verse 12 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. So may we not let sin reign in our mortal bodies, but may we let the Holy Spirit rise and fill us up, and may we let the Lord of Lords reign over our mortal bodies. May we desire to walk in revival and be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome these passions and sinful desires of our old selves. And so church family, as we prepare for revival services, may we walk in revival today and take a step and crucify the flesh. Now once we take that step, another follows. And we read about it in Romans chapter 6, verse 7. It says... For one who has died has been set free from sin. For one who has died, as we believe in the Holy Spirit, our old self dies. But we are not dead for long because as Jesus rose, we arise as well. And we live a life free from sin. Now Paul tells us that through the death of ourself, we are set free from sin. And as I already mentioned, we are set free from the power of sin. 
but we are also set free from so much more. We are set free from the guilt of sin. We are set free from the condemnation of sin. We are set free from paying the price, and we are set free from the shame of sin. And so, yes, we can overcome, we can overcome our sin because we no longer have we have power over our sin, but we are also set free from shame and guilt of our sin. But some of us don't live like it. Some of us still live like we are not set free. Even though the Lord has forgiven us, we have not forgiven ourselves. And some of us walk around with the weight of our shame and our guilt, and it becomes part of our identity, and we can never truly step into freedom because we hold ourselves back because of our history of our old self. And so if that is you today, I want you to take a step of faith, a step confidently knowing that you have been set free And so the second step we can take today to walk in revival is to leave the grave. You see, we have died, and with that death comes the death of our shame and our guilt. But if we stay there, if we stay in our shame and guilt, then we have not left the grave. But my friends, know that you have been set free. You see, imagine being a guilty criminal and you are in your cellar and you are chained to your cellar. And then Jesus walks in and says, I've paid the price. My child, you're free. And so he breaks those chains and the cellar doors open and you can walk out. But you walk out with the chains still on you with the weight of the chains dragging behind you and the shame and guilt of who you used to be follows you around. But Jesus already said, you are free. So if this is you today, take off the weight and take off the chains because you are free and leave the shame and guilt in the grave. This reminds me of a song my parents introduced to me when I was younger. And in this song, it talks about how the chains have been broken. And because the chains have been broken, the weight is gone. So we can praise God, and we should praise God. And I want to see if any of you know this song. Can we turn it up a bit? Any of you know the song? There we go, hands up if you know it. (laughs) All right. Okay, so what's the name of the song? Can we yell it out? All right, it seems like this side of the church knows this song. So the song is called Shackles by Mary Mary, and I vividly remember taking the family laptop and searching the song up on YouTube, clearing the floor beside my parents' bed, you know, moving the fan, moving their slippers, so that I could make a dance routine to this song. And that is still one of my favorite songs. And you know, I'm not gonna sing or dance today, I'm not gonna embarrass myself. 
But let me tell you what the lyrics are. It says, take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. I just want to praise you. You broke the chains, now I can lift my hands and I'm gonna praise you. And some of us need to sing this song and let go of a shame and guilt. We need to take the shackles off our hands and we need to dance like David because we have been set free. So if you have been carrying guilt from high school, it's time to let it go because you have been set free and you have been made new. You are no longer the same person. Leave that old self, leave the shame and leave the guilt in the grave. If you are holding shame because a person you hurt has stopped talking to you and they won't accept your apology, the Lord has forgiven you. And the Lord makes you new, so walk in revival and leave the shame and guilt in the grave. Or perhaps you messed up last night or just a few hours ago. If you have turned to God and repented and asked for forgiveness, I want you to know that his mercies are new every morning. So leave the shame and guilt in the grave because you have been made new. So church family, take your shackles off. Leave the past where it belongs. Step out of the grave and walk in revival. Know that you have been made new because the grave does not belong in your future. The grave belongs to the devil. And the grave is in the devil's future. So leave the grave in the past because Jesus paid it all and you have been set free. Jesus broke the chains. You have been set free and Jesus beat the power of sin and death and you have been set free and who the Son sets free is free indeed. So walk out of this church in revival and know that you have been set free from the power of sin, the shame of sin, and the guilt of sin. Leave the grave behind, my friends, and walk in revival. Romans chapter 6, verse 13 goes on to say, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Paul ends by saying that since you have been made new, then present yourselves like you have been made new. Live a life as if you have been made new. Live a life as if you are no longer enslaved to sin, but live a life as an instrument for God's righteousness. And so the last step that we can take to walk in revival is to live for Christ. You see, living for Christ is not just blocking off Sunday morning to go to church. Living for Christ is seeking his will for our lives in the big decisions and the day-to-day. -day. Living for Christ is seeking his will on what school should I attend or what job should I take. 
Living for Christ is obeying his promptings of the spirit instead of listening to what the world is telling you should do. Living for Christ is stepping out of our comfort zone when he asks us to go forth and do something with holy boldness. Living for Christ is letting go of our plans and trusting in his ways. Living for Christ is showing our neighbor love. Living for Christ is to help those in need. Living for Christ is seeking first his kingdom and letting all else follow. And as Paul says, says, living for Christ is to live as an instrument to God for his righteousness. Now when Paul says righteousness, this does not mean to live a life spending countless hours in our Bible, counting how many sermons we've read, seeing how long our fasting period has been, how many church, uh, church ministries we are serving at. That is not a righteous life. That is based on our works. And that is what the religious leaders of Jesus' day did and we know that Jesus rebuked them because they claimed to live a righteous life for God, but Jesus knew that in their hearts, their hearts were filthy and still enslaved to the old self, and they were living from a place of unrighteousness. And so for ourselves, the way we know that we are living a righteous life is not by our acts, but what comes out of our acts. What is the fruit that comes out of our acts? Because when we live for Christ, we live according to the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so we will know that we are living a righteous life if the fruit of our acts is the fruit of the Spirit. And Romans chapter 6, verse 22 goes on to say, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. And so what this passage is saying that when we live for Christ, when we live a righteous life, then the Holy Spirit continuously sanctifies us. And all that sanctification means is to be set apart for God's holy purposes. Not for our purposes, but for God's holy purposes. And so we can be part of God's holy purposes inside the church and outside of the church. You see, on Sunday morning, we can be part of God's purposes and taking one Sunday a month to help at children's church or to be part of the nursery leadership team. Or it could mean waking up 15 minutes earlier and picking someone up so that they can come to church or driving them home. Or it can mean using your teaching skills to aid in Sunday school. Or it can mean being part of a board that you are passionate about and offering your knowledge and insight. Or it can be outside of the church as well. 
through Monday through Saturday. We can be part of God's holy purposes by volunteering at our child's or our, our grandchildren's after-school program or breakfast program so that each of those children have a full stomach. Or it could mean mowing the lawn for your neighbors or visiting those who cannot leave their home and just showing them a friendly face, whatever it may be. May we live a life for Christ that is holy and set apart, not for our purposes, but for his purposes. And every day, may we commit to doing that, not just on Sunday morning, but when we leave here and every single day after that. And so, as I close and I call the worship team back up, I just want to clarify something. I did write Walking in Revival as my title, and my points were step one, step two, and step three, but let me just clarify that our Christian journey is not linear, and we can't just do step one, step two, and step three and be perfect, but it's more like every single day we walk forward and take one of those steps and it's possible every single day we have to crucify the flesh and every single day we have to leave the grave and every single day we absolutely have to live for Christ. And so our Christian journey is not linear. But may we not walk backwards. And may we not stay frozen. But may we continue to walk forward through all the seasons, the highs and lows. Continue to walk forward even when we don't understand what God's doing in our lives. Continue to walk forward when it feels like all the hardships in life are being placed on us in a matter of a few days. Continue to walk forward even when you're too anxious or afraid. And may we even continue to walk forward in the seasons of life where we experience God's joy and great blessings. So continue to walk forward in revival. Take the step of crucifying the flesh and to no longer obey our old patterns of sin. And when we crucify, crucify the flesh, we find ourselves in the grave, but that's only for a moment. So may we actually leave the grave leave our old selves in the grave, leave the power of sin in the grave, leave the shame in the grave, and leave the guilt in the grave. And as we step out of the grave, may we live our new life for Christ because it is him who now lives in us. May we not take this new life for granted, but may we live for Christ. And these are steps that we can take every day, as Paul says, to walk in the newness of life. So church family, may we walk in revival, leave here filled with the Holy Spirit, and just watch how the Lord will use you and how he will transform you. Let us stand and sing together and reflect on how deep the Father's love is for us.